This is the Mark Dolan Way. Top tips for mind, body and soul, some great life hacks and my favourite products of the week. This show is available on all podcast platforms or you can watch it. Just subscribe to the Mark Dolan Way on YouTube and join the Facebook group. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the show. I hope you are very well. Now, whatever journey you're on, there will always be challenges. It will always be difficult. And there will be moments when it feels hopeless. It feels futile. It feels like you should end that journey. Now, the bottom line is that if you've got a goal, the key thing is to stick with it. 5% of people actually finish the job. 95% give up before the end. So you've just got to be persistent and you've got to stay with it. And here's a very motivating factor, whether it's a new relationship, whether you're starting a new job, developing a skill set, learning a language, a musical instrument, you've started a new sport, whatever you are embarked upon learning, you will be rewarded with the click. So what that means is that let's say you're learning French, and it feels hopeless and you just cannot speak French and you don't remember the words and the grammar's all over the place. If you stick with it, if you persist, there will come a moment and no one knows when it's coming, when you will just feel like it's flowing, like it's instinctive. And that is when you got the click. So on any journey, the click is coming. You just have to stay with it and you'll be rewarded. So look, I hope things are well with you. I hope that you're um, busy and um, that your mental and physical health is optimum. Uh, lots to talk about. Can we talk about the cinema? I've been going to the cinema recently because I've had a bit more time on my hands and nothing beats going to the movies, does it? It's a proper shared experience. Somehow when you watch a movie at home, there are too many distractions. Your family members coming in, the doorbell, your phone is ringing. You can smell that your roast chicken is absolutely burning in the oven. You've got to take it out. There's just a lot of distractions. Plus, at home, when you watch a movie, normally the lighting isn't right, is it? Because you've got your telly and then there's like might be early evening and there's still light coming through. You've got to be in a dark room to watch TV. And very often the sound from TVs isn't great either. And one of the big things about the cinema experience is how immersive it is. Um, I do have a couple of excellent hacks if you are watching a movie at home. First thing is if you can black out the windows so you get that room pitch black, it's really, really worth it. But also you could try to attach a Bluetooth loudspeaker to your television because that means that you will have superior sound because, you know, most TVs now, flat screen TVs, we've got actually an old flat screen telly and the picture is absolutely fine. It's HD, but the sound is crap. And the reason why is because it's a thin telly and any thin device is never going to have great sound because good sound involves a bit of volume. You know, the loudspeaker needs to be a certain size a certain volume, it needs certain dimensions in order to give you the bass and the treble and that lovely mix of um, fidelity that you require. Uh, so we are big fans of connecting a Bluetooth loudspeaker to the telly and then you get better sound. You can use uh, one of our products of the week from a show a few weeks ago is the Apple HomePod. And you can actually connect your TV to the HomePod if you're if you're um, 
telly will allow it. And again, just much better sound. So if you're watching a movie at home, try and come up with a better sound solution. Because what's odd is that almost the sound is better than the picture. Because with the sound, that's when you're immersed in the movie. You can hear the characters speaking. You've got the music. Imagine if you're watching a Quentin Tarantino film or a Martin Scorsese movie. The music is so integral to those films. Imagine listening to that music on proper loudspeakers. So upgrade the sound and you will be so happy, let me tell you. But where possible, I like to go to the cinema. There are a few issues, though, which is that it's hysterically, eye-wateringly, back-breakingly expensive, isn't it? Have you noticed how expensive the cinema is? Welcome to hell. You've got no idea. I, I've actually, I, I, I cannot remember now, but it was a few months ago and I went to like one of those lovely posh cinemas where they have like waiters that bring you drinks and all that. So basically when you go to one of those places, do not order anything because it will cost you 8.7 million pounds. But I honestly think the ticket was like 25, maybe 20. I think it was 20 pounds for a ticket. Can you imagine? And that's two of you. That's 40 quid before you've even got your popcorn. So I try to go to basic crappy cinemas like really nasty, bad chain cinemas that have got loads of screens. And the reason why is because once you're in there, within 11 seconds, you forget that you're not in a posh cinema. It's it, it's a little bit like on a previous show, we talked about cheap hotels. Once you're asleep, there's no difference between a Premier Inn or a Travel Lodge or a Holiday Inn and the Ritz. There's no difference because you're asleep. So as long as it's clean and safe, you're good to go. Uh, the cinema, the same thing, you know, they're all dark. They all have good sound. There's a big screen, whatever cinema you go to. So um, I'm a big fan of finding the cheapest, worst cinema and having some fun. But you need to organise yourself when you go to the cinema. It's terribly important. I've got my notes here, so forgive me. Oi, oi, oi. This show, let me tell you, is not just thrown together. So a few things that you need to do. If you live near the cinema, you can buy the tickets in advance. It's a lovely thing to do, right? Go to the actual cinema and say, hey, I'm coming to see Indiana Jones tomorrow at five. Can I have two tickets? And you just buy it in advance because you don't have the panic when you get there, the rush. Will it be sold out? Will I get a good seat? Um, there's never enough time. When you go to the cinema, you're always in a hurry, aren't you? No one is ever early for the cinema. It's always lastminute.com. So why don't you, if you can, purchase the tickets in advance. The advantage of going to the actual cinema to buy the tickets is you may avoid a booking fee, which is excellent. However, there are quite a few cinemas now that are automated and it doesn't make a difference. And if that's the case, then buy the ticket online in advance, because again, you just don't have that rush when you get there. And um, you, normally there'll be a barcode or something. All is good with the world. So do, like everything else, think ahead, plan ahead when it comes to the cinema. The other thing I recommend is that you bring a lot of snacks. You bring treats, okay? And if you want to be discreet, you can keep it all in a rucksack. But buy popcorn for the supermarket or make popcorn at home. You know, it's really easy to make popcorn at home. It's saucepan, some olive oil. And then these corn, right? These little, whatever they are, unexploded corn. 
and you uh, simply you, you've got the saucepan, you've got the oil, you warm up the oil, then you pour the corn seeds onto the oil and then you put a lid on and they just start popping. And that is popcorn. How good is that? And then you can have salty popcorn just by sprinkling some salt on the top or you can have some sweet popcorn either with some sugar or if you're a listener to this show and you know that um, I advise against eating sugar because it's toxic, it's not good for you and it's very, very closely linked to fat storage. In other words, it's very fattening sugar. Then why don't you go for erythritol, which is a natural sugar alternative which contains no calories. Big fan of erythritol. But anyway, so there you go. So bring your popcorn. If you like to have a tea or a coffee, why don't you bring a flask in with you? Similarly, have soft drinks ready and chilling in your fridge before you leave the house. And then you've got those drinks. Uh, For some reason, I quite like milk at the cinema. Milk is good. Very cold milk at the cinema. Knock yourself out. Live the dream. So you've got that. You, You bring all your treats. I mean, you can bring, if you want, an entire bloody dinner. It's not a problem. You know, you can have sandwiches. And I think as a courtesy to others, I would recommend against crisps and things like that because it's just kind of crunchy and noisy and I think that's unfair on your fellow cinema goers but certainly certainly um soft food is not a problem a few few sandwiches that kind of thing why not do it so bring food um I do not recommend drinking alcohol before or during a film and the reason why is because you're in a hot room which is dark So it's a naturally drowsy, soporific environment anyway. And I think that the chances of you falling asleep or losing focus during the film. And if it's a challenging film with lots of plot twists, maybe it's a spy thriller, which is sort of confusing. The last thing you want is to be a couple of Pinot Grigios in. So I hate to be such a spoil sport. I think alcohol has its place, but not at the cinema. Also, uh, ages ago, I sat next to a guy. I was like, the, I think I'm virtually the last available seat in the cinema. And I sat next to this guy and he stank of booze. He'd been having beer. It was in the afternoon. It was like three, four in the afternoon. And I spent the whole movie just like smelling someone else's alcohol breath. It's funny that with alcohol, isn't it? Because if you're a fan, it tastes great and it smells great. But when someone else has had it and you're sober and you breathe their kind of booze breath, it's so bad, isn't it? Especially daytime. Isn't it creepy when you're in a supermarket and then you just stand next to someone in the vegetable aisle and you can just smell alcohol off their breath? In a way, it demonstrates how horrifically horrible alcohol is. Yuck. If we're honest, it's it's horrible, isn't it? But it's also fun. So there you go. Uh, We're going to do a deep dive into alcohol soon because it's something that many people grapple with. I've touched on it in the past on the show and I've spoken about it in both glowing and critical terms. But we will definitely do an alcohol special. Let me do a little take a little note of that. We do a proper deep dive and discuss whether whether we should or shouldn't drink and when and how much and why. But not for the cinema, please. Also, check out the duration of the film in advance, right? It's nice for you to know how long you're going to be there. So you can Google the film's duration and it gives you control. Because then you know it's like, all right, we're going in at eight o'clock and we'll be out at 10.20. I like to know when I'm getting out of the cinema. 
I don't want to be a hostage to fortune. I don't want to be sitting there in the cinema just thinking, have we got another hour of this? Where does this end? So check out the running time in advance. Um, also, if you're not a fan of the adverts and the trailers, you can buy your ticket in advance and then just turn up just before the movie. Now, you can either ask the cinema uh, what time the actual feature starts and they might say to you, right, well, the ads and the, the, the trailers are at 5.30 and the movie starts at 5.50. Well, then if you want to skip all the ads and just have a bit more time in your day, then just arrive before the movie starts. However, that's a less good idea if it's first come, first serve with the seats. Okay, so the big thing with this cinema is you've got to be sitting in the right part of the cinema. If you can book your seats in advance, you know where you're sitting, you can just get in at the very last minute. But if it's a free for all, I'm afraid you're going to need to be there early. And I recommend that you sit towards the back. OK, particularly for an action movie, because if you're at the front, your face is so close to the screen, OK, that you've got the screen which actually enters your peripheral vision and you're trying to watch a car chase or some some kind of like um, it might be sort of a James Bond action film or something. Uh, you're not going to take it all in if you're sitting at the front. Uh, plus, it could make you dizzy. It can give you a headache. And it's suboptimal. Can't even imagine it's that healthy. So I personally prefer to sit towards the back where you've got the whole of the screen in front of you and your eyes are able to take it all in. And it might feel like the screen is too far away. But what happens is it's like hypnosis because you're in this dark room with the screen in front of you eventually it will become abstract and it will just be you and the movie and you'll get immersed into it. If I had to sit at the very back, I would, but I'd kind of go three quarters back and in the middle. But on the left or the right hand side doesn't matter as well because you will get used to it. But uh, so three quarters back middle is ideal. Um, also, it's important to be comfortable in the cinema. So make sure you bring layers. Occasionally, you can go to the cinema in the summer and you walk in in a T-shirt and shorts because it's a lovely hot day outside. And inside a cinema, it's like the Arctic. It's absolutely freezing. And that's because of the aircon. And if you're really unlucky, you might be sat underneath one of the aircon vents. and You've got this cool breeze just like blowing down on you, which for two hours is going to be a disaster. I know so many people who get colds in the summer because of air conditioning or dry eyes. It's a disaster. So what I'd like you to do is if you're going to the cinema, please bring layers. Number of times that I've wound up putting my puffer jacket on during a movie because the aircon is, is so cold. So, yeah, uh, you need layers for the cinema because it's very important to be comfortable. And you're very exposed because you're sat there. You can't move. You're not exercising your muscles. So you can get the chills. Um, another thing that's very cheeky and outrageous, and, you know, this show, sometimes we're very naughty and I can't recommend being naughty, but I can only tell you what I do occasionally. This is about as naughty as it gets, which is if you're in the cinema and the seats are booked in advance. So that means that when you when you look at your ticket, it says, you know, seat three, row F, right? And you've given a specific seat. If you're not happy with your seat, you can wait until just before the film starts and then just go to a different empty seat that you've not booked. Now, the cinema will not approve of this. The cinema will not like this. It is naughty. Full disclosure, it is naughty. Uh, 
But, you know, life is not without risk, is it? And sometimes you want to seize the opportunity. A friend of mine was on children's TV uh, as as a kind of background. Basically, it was a TV show called Going Live. And it was a kind of kids magazine show in the morning with music and games and entertainment, all of that. Children's TV show. And they used to have live guests on. And my mate uh, somehow applied for tickets to be sort of just in the audience of this show. But the way the show worked is the kids were actually sort of kind of on camera, sort of in the background, um, in vision, as it were. Not with an actual defined role, but just the kids would be invited to watch the show and they'd they'd be in vision. You could just you could see some kids there sitting around watching the show go out. And so a friend of mine uh, had that opportunity. He managed to get tickets for going live and he went to the recording and he went and watched it. And the star guest was the then prime minister, Margaret Thatcher. What the hell? Um, So she was obviously trying to connect with the next generation. But she was the prime minister, the most powerful person in the country and quite a formidable figure if you're not familiar with her work. And she's uh, she's on the show and... um, She's answering viewer questions on the show. The presenter goes, oh, little Johnny would like to ask you dot, 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 dot. You know, why does war happen or what's going to happen with the economy or is it fun being prime minister? So anyway, she she was on the show and she was answering these questions and it was no problem. Um, and then they were going to have like part two of, of her interview, part two of her appearance uh, but just some kind of little intermission before that. I can't remember if it was like a pop video or something, but the, the presenter said, OK, uh, more from the prime minister in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. And then it was like an interruption and they played out some video, right? Played out some what they call VT. And so there's a pause. There's a pause in filming. And I think you're looking at maybe like a couple of minutes, right? Well, my friends ran over. You won't believe this. He ran over to Margaret Thatcher, the Prime Minister. And he said, Prime Minister, please will you give me your autograph? And she um, looked at him very sternly and he thought that he was in trouble. And the presenter was awkward and the crew were like, what's happening here? And obviously he has been naughty, hasn't he? Let me just, can we just wait for that? Would you believe that there is a very loud airplane going past and it... You probably can't hear it, but I find it distracting and I want to make sure that I just finish the story properly for you. She looked at him and there was a pregnant pause and she said, well done, young man. You showed your initiative. And then she signed her name, gave him the autograph and off he went. But she was impressed by his cheek, by his initiative. I mean, he had this once in a lifetime opportunity, right? A break in the interview and he just dashed across the set, bold as brass, cheeky as they come. and said, Prime Minister, please, may I have your autograph? And she said, well done, young man. You showed your initiative. We can all do that. So life is not without its dangers. It's not without its risks. Now, that could have backfired. And that boy could have got, I don't know, shouted at by the prime minister. The security team could have dragged him off set. He could have been banned from ever appearing on that show ever again. But instead, he got away with it. And I'm sure he's got that autograph lying around somewhere. So initiative, any aspect of life, sometimes be a bit cheeky. 
Uh, make a calculated risk. Footballers do this. Did you know that you've got a thing called a yellow card where you've been naughty and um, you've done a rough tackle or something, you get a yellow card? Well, sometimes a player that's, you're allowed two in a game before you get sent off. Sometimes a player towards the end of the game will deliberately get a red, uh, deliberately get a yellow card um, in order to slow the game down or something like that. It's like strategically, they know they're going to get this punishment but it gives the team an advantage. Um, sometimes during tournaments, if a player has notched up a certain number of yellow cards, it means they'll miss the next game. And sometimes in tournaments, what a player will do is deliberately get another yellow card and get sent off so that they can then be back for the game that's really important, like the final or something. So um, footballers do a lot of that. They're very strategic sometimes about their yellow cards, about using the punishment for its own good, its own advantage. Um, but yeah, so you can be naughty sometimes and you can calculate the risk and you can just make a judgment that I'm going to get in trouble for doing this thing, but it's actually still going to benefit me in the long run. You do a kind of cost benefit analysis and that works in relationships. It works in the world of work. And it can be quite smart. Um, what else do we need to know? So you've layered, you're not drinking, you're, uh, you've brought food with you, you've checked the running time. And you're just going to have a great time at the cinema. And the other big thing, which is Dolan's golden rule, and I recommend this for all aspects of life, which is the cinema is very dark. The chance of leaving something behind is very high. A wallet, a pair of glasses, house keys. So what you need to do is when the film's over, I like to actually sit there for the credits, but, you know, each to their own. But if not, and the room's still dark, switch on the torch of your phone and have a look on the floor and look under the chair to see if you've left anything. Right. Be really thorough, because quite often when you're at the cinema, you're kind of strangely reclined at an angle. And so things could just fall out of your you know, money, all sorts of things. So that's what I do. I go and um, and I do the same thing when I'm on public transport as when it's time for me, when it's my turn to get off the bus or the tube, the train, I have a look down at the seat where I was sitting. And I sometimes look under the seat as well. I do the same thing on airplanes and perhaps most importantly in taxis. It is a thing of beauty. I highly recommend it. Now um, that's a cinema do enjoy. You really need goals. We all need goals and the reason why we don't make goals is because we are afraid of failure. But it is the fear of failure which actually holds all of us back and stops us being happy and successful. Now, what you want to do is embrace failure, encourage it, dine out on failure and try lots of things. There are so many people's careers which were littered with disasters that finally came good. And it was their ability to fail in a project and to go again, and to go again, and to go again. Um, the talented comedian Eddie Izzard was known as that crap tryout, okay? He was known as a crap tryout comedian who, for 10 years, still hadn't got the hang of comedy. I mean, how can you not be good at comedy after 10 years? But it was like the longest, slowest incubation. But once it hit for Izzard, it was huge. What happened? Eddie Izzard got the click. Remember that from the start of the show? Eddie got the click and you will too. Um, but none of this is possible without a goal. 
So what I want you to do is to write down after this show or, or even pause right now. But I want you to write down five things, five things that you would like to happen. And it could take years or it could be achieved by tomorrow lunchtime. It doesn't matter. Just five things that you would like to happen. So it could be, you know, tidy up the bedroom, catch up on invoices and then something massive like, you know, find love and get married or become a billionaire. Right. So the scale of the goal, it, it's not a problem. It's just it's anything that you authentically would like. And it might be that a mix is quite good, because if you've got a few more achievable ones that will motivate you, but you can have the crazy idealistic ones as well. I mean, wanting to become a billionaire. Well, you know, you, you take the necessary steps towards becoming a billionaire and you can become a billionaire. Right. If you're lucky enough to have your health, if you're able bodied, you can become a billionaire. Now, most of us are not willing to take the steps and have the discipline with which to achieve that. But it is doable, really, for almost anyone. And therefore, so five goals. And you will just find that it is it leads you. It gives you human beings are goal centered. It's like a game. If you can make it like a game. You know, I do TV and we get TV ratings the next day. And I used to dread those TV ratings because sometimes it made for hard viewing. Right. Looking at those numbers, going, why is no one watching? And then I'm delighted to say we've had really great audiences. And you're thinking, wow, look at that. And you're buzzing because you've got lots of people watching or listening to your show. Um, and it's become like a great game for me. Right. And I just like enjoy it now. And even if it's a, if it's a, a tough set of figures, you are like, OK, well, how can we make it better? But I kind of look forward to it now. It's it's a thrill. It's like a roller coaster. Roller coaster is a good example of the kind of torture that you've decided to pay for. A lot of things in life that lead to success are uncomfortable and painful, but for which you can develop an amazing appetite. You start enjoying hard, painful things. It becomes a buzz. It's like a drug. The most virtuous drug of all, suffering. Somebody said the definition of genius is the person with the maximum ability to suffer, a capacity to have difficulty. Look at Arnold Schwarzenegger. There's no reason, to, there's no way that he would be so muscular um, if it wasn't for his capacity to suffer. Are you telling me it was fun or enjoyable putting his body through that? No, but he developed a taste for that suffering. It became his his actual thing. Um, so that's what you're going to do. You're going to have five goals and it can change and it can grow. You can have, by the way, 100 goals. But I just thought we could start as an exercise with five things that you'd like to achieve and then just kind of slowly chip away at them. And every day going, how am I getting on with these goals? And if you complete and achieve a goal, you can put a tick next to it. And then some of the other goals was a bit of work in progress. But. This is what us human beings need. We work with if it's abstract and you don't have the direction, you won't get anywhere. It's impossible. There's a nice line that I saw in an art gallery recently, and it said that a ship with no destination is not helped by any wind, which I thought was quite clever. A ship which has no destination is not helped by any wind. Isn't that clever? And it's true, isn't it? Because if you don't know where you're going, well, which wind is your friend? 
But if you're thinking, well, we're in Southampton and we're heading to New York, well, we know that the southeasterly is going to push us along. So you can't really succeed without goals. It's terribly important. And if you have goals, that is a sign of self-confidence. You're backing yourself. It's a positive thing, right? And even if you don't think you can achieve them, just writing it down will make you feel better because you've expressed something you want. And writing those goals down has got you one half of a percentage point closer to actually achieving that goal. Also, something that ties in with the goals is Jay Leno, the American comedian who I often quote on this show. And he said, you know, um, in your career, in your life, pick a lane. He said, pick a lane. So what that means is, uh, let's say you're 20 and you don't know what to do, right? I'm 20. I don't know what to do. It's like, just choose something to do something. Just like, OK, I'll be a plumber. And just and then it's like, I didn't like being a plumber. I tried it. But at least you, you went for something. A lot of people are just in a pickle and they don't do anything and they're completely impotent. And they don't progress and they go from one useless job to another with no direction. They are a passenger in life. We've all been that person. I've been that person. But um, I don't think you should fall into that trap. I think that you can just choose something and go in that direction. So pick a lane. Stay busy is very important, too. Um, another important thing I want to talk to you about is the amazing gift of your body. It's amazing, isn't it? how medicated we are these days. America, which is a country I admire greatly, is the most medicated, but among the unhealthiest countries in the world, most unhealthy populations. People take hundreds of pills a week and they're not healthy. Your body doesn't actually require medication. I mean, medication is obviously, it's fantastic. Do you know what I mean? If you've got high blood pressure and the pills bring it down, happy days. If you've got vaccines that stop you getting terrible illness, if you've got um, antibiotics, which are very good for um, getting rid of bacteria and infections, then that is a great thing. So I, I love the availability of medication. OK, no problem. I'm a big fan of topical steroids. So, you know, when you get like a little rash or something, dry skin, hydrocortisone cream is miraculous. I mean, obviously always consult your doctor, but you know, it, it is amazing how it will clear up your skin. So we're lucky to have these medications, but uh, we rely on them, too, or on them too much. It's become the main thing. We don't look at the source of why we're not well. You go to your doctor and you've got symptoms of this or that. And I'm afraid to say they never ask you, what's your diet like? How much sleep do you get? How much sunlight do you get? Do you get exercise? Um, any of that stuff, they never ask. They just think about what to prescribe. So what I want you to do is understand that your body, for the most part, is a very powerful thing. It's a great, great machine. And human beings have this crazy weakness, which is we like to destroy this great machine. We like to hurt it. Why would you hurt this machine which gives you so much, which serves you, which is the vessel of your soul? But we do. We're very hard on our bodies. So we suck smoke into our lungs. We drink toxins like alcohol and we eat sugar and processed food and horrible snacks and all the rest of it. And we do have that. But that's OK. OK, because a a bit of strategic damage to your body. Uh, you know, you only live once kind of thing. If you go to a wedding and you have a few drinks and you uh, have a great, great memorable weekend. Well, then it was actually worth the short term damage to your body. You went to the wedding. It was memorable. 
a lot of people cannot imagine not having a few glasses of champagne at the wedding. So I don't want to be a killjoy. But just in your normal life, just on a rainy Tuesday, that's what I think where health is achieved is on day in, day out that you look after yourself and that you will just have intermittent moments of pleasurable insult to the body you know so what you could start doing is you could actually start scheduling it either in your head or even physically in the diary and you could say right so I'm planning to do this uh, we are currently in the summer and it is the August I'm planning on being wildly healthy from the beginning of September right through till Christmas okay I'm planning on having three months of uninterrupted pure health so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go alcohol free right up till Christmas and I'm going to go uh, I'm, I'm going to ease up on wheat and and that kind of thing I'll do a bit of a detox really and I'm going to try and sustain it uh, but what I will also do is I'll kind of say and then Christmas is going to be you know a little wild and I'll have drinks and I'll eat bread and we'll have cake and stuff and that I think is personally the way to do it and I don't mean binging because that binging is a real shock to the system but just deciding. So let's imagine if you are a drinker, let's say, then you could just say to yourself, do you know what? I mean, I've got a friend, a colleague, and he just drinks every other Saturday, right? So twice a month and he just looks forward to it. And then that's when he'll schedule to meet his friends. Maybe he's got some boozy friends. And he's like, well, you know that I have I have beers twice a month on a Saturday. So if you want me to join you, then just book me in and, and, and let's go for it. But it's like, lovely intermittent ability to get on something and then not on it is really really good where this is all going is that you've been born with and equipped with a body that functions so well that has organs which are designed to deal with all eventualities so the first thing you can do to help your body is to stop overtly punishing it in a way that you know you are okay just to do the really obvious stuff, get the sugar down, get the carbohydrates down, get the alcohol down. Don't overdo it with the coffee. I would say no caffeine after 10 or 11 a.m. And it's just like sleep, sunlight, exercise, all of that kind of stuff is really good. And so your body is when it's looked after, it's like a Ferrari. It's very powerful. When it's not looked after, it's an old banger that's living in the garage. The garage, of course, being the hospital or the GP surgery. But the body is incredible. Allow it to be great by loving it and nurturing it. And understand that this is your treasure, this amazing gift. I've got a cat who eats better than us. Okay, because my cat Harry, he gets these um he gets these it's it's pet food. And I think it's 80% protein, right? It's pure, it's like chicken protein and and duck and uh, there's sort of fish in there and shrimps and all of that. And then they've sprinkled some vitamins into it. And then there's some natural healthy fats and then a little bit of carbohydrate as well. It's all mixed in together. But what the vets have done is they've created a food that is optimal for the health of a cat. And that's all my cat eats. He eats this lovely, natural, high protein food and he drinks water. So he's got a better diet than I do. How silly is that? So understand that you're the cat too and you should have excellent food. We're nearly done. Uh, lots to talk about next time. But um, can I say to you something that will really, really, really help you? Two things. Let me give you two things before we go. First of all, the power of prayer. 
And this is not religious. It doesn't matter whether you are religious or if you're not religious. But if there's something you're struggling with, then can I recommend that you pray? And the way that you would pray is, it's not hard and fast, but you could kneel down or you could sit down. You could have your hands together in a praying thing, or you could just be on a chair with your eyes closed. That's also not a bad option. You can be looking to the sky for some imaginary higher power. And you can say, dear God, or you can just say, dear higher power or dear nature, or you don't have to say anything. But you can just have a quiet internal monologue where you say, I'm really worried about my auntie's health and I pray that she can get a good recovery. She's getting tests next week. You can you can pray for things that you actually want to happen. You can pray like, let's say you've got exam results coming out. You could pray that they go your way. So you can pray for someone. You can pray for yourself. You can also pray in a sense of gratitude to say, I I just want to thank you, whoever you are, for everything you've given me in my life. We've talked about the power of gratitude before. But anything you're struggling with, particularly if it's something you need, let's imagine you're in you're in the hospital corridor and the loved one is on is on life support, but you're not religious. That doesn't have to stop you praying. And you can just say, close your eyes and say, I pray that my relative pulls through, that they survive. Um I've got a job interview. I pray that I will perform well and that I will show them how great I am. Prayer is a lovely thing. So prayer for thanks, prayer for stuff you need, prayer for peace. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. So non-religious prayer, give it a try. Why don't you say a little prayer after this show? Especially if there's something, you know, if you're if you're depressed, pray about it and say, I pray that I can be less depressed, less sad. I pray that I can find hope, that I can look at the positives. In life. So, you, so you pray, go into great detail about what you want through the prayer. And I think having sort of said that to yourself and having said that prayer, I think that you will potentially navigate towards a solution to it. It's a beautiful thing. And also, what is prayer? I mean, you could call it meditation. There's so many things you could call it, but I recommend it. And I think that prayer is 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 shouldn't be the exclusive domain of religious people. And then last but not least, two great words that will change your life. Who cares? Who cares? To understand that we will all one day disappear from the earth is not bad news. It's the best news ever. Knowing we're going to die is our superpower because that what give, that's what gives us the urgency to get on with stuff, to make things happen. I'm definitely more productive now. I'm approaching the end of my 40s and I'm more productive and I'm in a bit of a hurry because I know that it's finite. When I was 20, I was a lazy git because I felt like I had all the time in the world. What's the rush? But now the clock's ticking. That's one of the great advantages of getting older. Um, but the other thing about getting older is that you don't care what people think anymore. So if you're a younger person, don't wait till you're 50 to realise it doesn't matter. Get straight in there. Who cares what anyone else thinks? It doesn't matter. You have the law of the land. Uh, you want your friends and family to love and respect you. But I mean, strangers, forget it. What they think does not matter one bit. And if your family and friends are against you, working against your interests, 
and they don't like your girlfriend or your boyfriend, again, who cares? It's your life. But you wake up in the morning, right? And that's your mantra. You wake up and you have two words and you go, who cares? Who the hell cares? There's this assumption that somehow we're being watched and judged all the time and that people are, you know, thinking, oh, what about that Steve, man? Look at what he's wearing weird clothes these days and he's got some out there ideas. They're not, no one's thinking about you. Everyone is selfish. They're all in their little bubble. They don't care either. So who cares? It is so liberating. You are so free. Who the hell cares? Yeah. Don't worry about it. Stop thinking about the judgment of other people. And if they don't like what you're doing, if they don't like you, so what? You cannot please all the people all the time. In fact, I think Winston Churchill said, if you haven't made a few enemies, you haven't lived a full life. Very wise man. So stop worrying about what other people think. Let's imagine you love wearing a pink dress, a bright pink dress, which people think is like the worst color. It doesn't suit you. Who cares? You like that dress. You're going to go wear that dress. You could actually do stuff that people actively don't like just to prove a point, because that is you enforcing your own power. And it's your power that matters. The power of your body through feeding it and nurturing it properly and giving it rest and sport. The power of your soul through non-religious prayer or religious prayer. The power of your will, which is having a list of goals and things you want to achieve and seeing them through. You are all powerful and all you got to do is unleash that power and two words that help to do that. Who cares? Right. This might not work. This project might fail. Who cares? This date might be unsuccessful. He might be ugly. She might be ugly. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? I cannot say this too often enough. I want you to do this, this mantra, right? Give me 30 seconds for the next seven days between now and the next podcast. Every morning, I want 30 seconds looking in the mirror going, who cares? Who cares? Who cares, right? Who cares? Let me tell you that I care about you. It's been lovely to have your company. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the show and or for watching it. Tell your friends, tell your family, do subscribe on YouTube, please give us an honest review as well. We're on all the podcast platforms and I can't wait to see you next time. Have a great seven days and remember, who cares?